Welcome to the Club Dub Football Podcast. Where the only question is Does your team make it into the club? Can he get in? No, he cannot! Welcome back, Aldrin. Hey, JB. Hey. It's, uh, oh God, that felt weird. I was trying. I was trying to give it the full Rob Rose intro, and it just it felt a little weird. <laughs> yeah. In case anybody in Leicester Land hasn't realised, we are without our esteemed colleague and supreme host Rob Rose. Yeah, he is. Uh, he is away for the week. He will return this time next week to discuss some football and tell us some tales of the Emerald Isle. Um, so it's just up to me and you to uh, to hold down the fort, and I think talk about. Uh-huh. What was and is a very exciting week of football? I think that's probably fair to say, yeah. Um, but before we get into that, Rob Rose may not be here, but James Aldrin, I have for you the most difficult question in all of podcasting. Oh, goodness me. All Noodle, no Google. And it relates to draft low draft picks winning the Super Bowl. Okay. So what I am going to give you is a list of six quarterbacks. These quarterbacks comprise the top five lowest drafted quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. You need to tell me the odd one out of the top five. Okay. And your quarterbacks are in alphabetical order. Bart Starr with the Green Bay Packers. Brad Johnson with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Joe Theismann with the now Washington Commanders. Mark Rippon, also of the now Washington Commanders. Roger Starback of the Dallas Cowboys. And of course, Tom Brady of the Patriots and Buccaneers. So... Okay. Six quarterbacks. You need to tell me which of those is the odd one out of the top five lowest drafted quarterbacks to win the Super Bowl. We'll 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 leave you we'll leave you thinking about that. And obviously play along at home. Hit us up on socials uh through the usual email address. Let us know how you got on. Um do you want to talk what do you want to do? Do you want to talk AFC or NFC first? Um, let's hit AFC first. Why don't we? Um, what are your thoughts then on the AFC Championship game this weekend? I don't know. Then all of the. Do you know what? Both of these championship games, I think, are going to be real corkers. Um, just because I don't know. I. I this is one of those weird weeks where I think any of the teams could win would be absolutely justifiable in winning and the other team could have no complaints, but I couldn't necessarily easily pick. Yeah. The chiefs or yeah, the Bengals. It's kind of one of those that I feel is a bit up in the air. Um, Gosh, I guess, I guess probably it stems from the, the place to start with this one is last week's game, really. And more so than the Bengals, the Chiefs game particularly, because that was one, I guess when we were talking last week, we were thinking, 
yeah, the plucky Jags uh, are going to give it a really good shot, but ultimately they'll come up short against the totally dominant Chiefs team. And then all of a sudden, in a moment, the kind of NFL's poster boy, superstar quarterback Patrick Mahomes, gets rolled by two tacklers, pops up, limps to the sideline, and all of a sudden you think, wow, this game could go either way because, yeah, the Chiefs have got a very experienced backup in Chad Henney, but he's not Patrick Mahomes, and that offense is a very different beast without Patrick Mahomes. So I think the big thing for for the AFC Championship game this week is going to be the fitness of Patrick Mahomes' ankle. And I think that was the funny thing. You know, they even acknowledged it on the commentary last week is, you know, when the Chiefs won, they said, you know, all attention now is to how healthy is Patrick Mahomes' ankle for the whole week. And I reckon that's been every kind of news story since. But certainly I think today, did he, today or yesterday, practice fully, didn't he? So I think all kind of intimation is that he's healthy enough to play. He was feeling much better on Monday morning about how his ankle felt and he had a lot more mobility and yada, yada, yada. So, um, yeah, all being well, Patrick Mahomes will play. And I think regardless of what team you support, you want to see the best players play. And I think you want to see Burrow up against Mahomes rather than Burrow up against Chad Henney. Um, so hopefully that's what we get. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of a weird couple of games for the AFC teams last week, wasn't it really? Like certainly the Bengals pretty much rolled over the bills at home in the snow. And that was, I don't know, it it felt unexpected, but not on the balance of play. You know, I think the bills were pretty roundly beaten. Would you say, I think the Bengals were never in any trouble it felt like you know they jumped out to a bit of an early lead what did they go seven and then 14 and then it, it like the bills never got back in it. it we talked we talked last week about the bengals and the bills game being a game all about which team could fix the mistakes from the previous game Mm-hmm. And what it felt like, at, at least to me initially, was both teams fixed their mistakes from the previous game. The only problem mm-hmm. was the Bills discovered all new ones to make. And yeah. I think like the wording that you used there, I think, was was great. It was it did feel like they surrendered. It, it really did feel like the Bengals were just running all over them. And in part, yeah. they were like. Joe Mixon in particular had a great game, just never seemed, they never seemed to be able to get him down. And no, it was no. always chunk yards that they were getting that they needed for it. And yeah. as much as the Bills have revolutionized, I think their identity with Josh Allen's increase in play and sort of drafting and bringing in Stefan Diggs, it's always to me been a Buffalo Bills with a strong defense, especially led yeah. by Sean McDermott, who's a defensive guy. And I said to Rob on the Rob Rose sofa that it kind of felt a little bit disappointing for the Beng- for, not for Bengals, for the Bills to go through everything they've been through this season, get to that point, and then essentially, I- I'm sorry to say it, roll over. Yeah, it did kind of feel like that, didn't it? And, and I don't know, it was just... Um... 
I don't know. It didn't seem like great kind of game management either from the Bills. Do you know what I mean? Like they, I never really felt that they lent on their playmakers, you know, in the snow, particularly I expected to see more designed runs for Allen. And also just get the ball towards Stefan Diggs. You know, I really don't remember a heck of a lot of targets for Diggs even. No. And one, and the only one that I really remember is heading into the end zone and the throw was out of back. Like it was out to the right. It was well out of bounds. Like that was really the only kind of play that I really remember them getting him involved with. And it just felt a bit, I don't know, it felt a bit stagnant and a bit mismanaged where the the Bengals, you know, put the game on its playmakers. You know, they trusted Burrow to make throws when he needed to make throws. They trusted Chase to be the guy that would make the catches. And they trusted Mixon to be the guy that would grind down the Bills' defense. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and oddly, I thought the Bengals' defense was better than advertised. You know, I, I think they've got potential for decent plays, you know, with Hubbard and others. You know, they feel like they've, they've got the ability to make plays, but certainly they felt like they made some big plays at the right times with the right kind of defense. So I thought that was an interesting one. But um I think you and let's say we're talking about we're talking about the Bengals specifically. You made some very good Chiefs points that I want to circle back to. But sure. I think looking at the Bengals as an organization, the Bengals as a team, is very much like you get into those situations and you, to use the phrase, they start to feel themselves. You can see the confidence flowing from everywhere. And one of the benefits I think for the, for the Bengals defense was, yeah, they were playing at a very high level, but I think in part pushed forth by the fact that they knew we're not just doing it ourselves this time. This isn't yeah. like playoff games. We, as the Bengals have been in before, we have now got, a quarterback who can really do the job. Like, yeah, I, Andy Dalton is not as bad as his worst detractors would say he was as a Bengal, but he was never as good as his greatest fans would say he was. He was to a man. He was the bang averagest quarterback. He would do yeah. everything you needed up to a point. And when you needed a little bit more, unfortunately he couldn't do it. And what yeah. you've now got with Joe Burrow is a guy who's like got, uh, he is kind of the, the reincarnated spirit of Joe Cole, just <laughs> absolutely confident, just not arrogantly, yeah. not obnoxiously, just completely secure in the fact that I am, absolutely as good as i think i am watch me go and yeah. prove it every week it is as a neutral taking kind of the afc north out of the equation as a neutral it's great to see an organization like the bengals land a player like that because you just think i personally you always want everyone to have a go let everyone have a good season yeah. every once in a while not the browns but everyone <laughs> else so it's just nice to have that I think your point around when we were talking about the Chiefs was, yes, we absolutely want to see the best players play. And that feels like yeah. what we're getting. And to kind of transition a little bit into the Chiefs, what I think we've got here is, like, we we spent some time sort of in previous years in this podcast talking about the next Brady versus Manning. And is it going to be Mahomes mm -hmm. versus Allen? Or is it going to be Mahomes versus Herbert? 
I kind mm-hmm. of think is we're, we're getting it now. It's going to be Mahomes versus Burrow because that what it feel, that's what it yeah. feels like we're building to. And if you're the Chiefs, you absolutely want Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball. Like he no, is hundred percent. He is that that X factor that will show the show you things you've never seen before. Like the mm-hmm. the no look passes, like. Uh, I think it was the the Sunday during the Bengals-Bills game, Tony Romo was talking about when he suffered a high ankle sprain. And his thing was like, I felt fine during the game because the adrenaline kicks in and then you carry on going. Tomorrow, he's not going to be able to walk. Yeah. Yet that doesn't appear to be what's happening. And like whether he's faking it or whether he is just like some kind of like weapon X healing factor... Uh, that's an X-Men reference for all of our comic book fans out there. Um, it, it's it's going to be interesting. That hookup with him and Travis Kelsey, that was what drove them against the Jags. Um, was it 14 catches in total? Yeah, I mean, the guy's ridiculous, isn't he? But I think the thing with that is, uh, like in in that game, they changed it up. And I think that's one of the really great things about Andy Reid in particular. You know, they had Mahomes and goodness me, Mahomes was not sitting out that game, was he? There was absolutely no way they were going to let him go into the locker room at halftime and then not have him come out one way or another. Um, But I think the way they changed the game plan was good. You know, they made it, they simplified the playbook for him, made sure that he wasn't moving around unnecessarily got other player playmakers involved. And I do think it was, you know, all that said, I do think the Jags were a bit of the masters of their own downfall purely because they went a little conservative in that second half when they didn't need to, you know, if it was me, I'd have been blitzing every time. And I mean, you and I both know that's exactly how I play Madden, but (laughs) You know, that that felt like the sort of things they should be doing, getting pressure on Mahomes, because it was so obvious. You know, even the start of that second half, I think it was um, like an inside run handoff. And he was hopping away from that. And, you know, if I was a defensive coordinator of the Jags, I'd have been thinking, right, go after him, put him under real pressure, make him move, you know, get him uncomfortable. Um, so I don't, I don't think the Jags necessarily helped themselves on that. But, yeah, I mean, the guy is ridiculous. A, to be in a position where he could bring himself out for the second, not only bring him out for the second half, but he played the next snap. You know, he got hurt, and then he was in the huddle, hopping about, trying to hand off the ball. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's great. But that's exactly what, I say that's exactly what you want to see. What Exactly what we want to see is, a healthy or healthy enough Mahomes against a healthy Joe Burrow and let them shoot it out because that feels exactly what it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I can say any, any better or any more succinctly than that. I think it, it was an incredible performance from the chiefs. Um, we'll talk a little bit like we've, we've spoken about like what a disappointment it's got to be for the bills to kind of come this far Especially yeah. after, like, the, the words at the end of the season were, you know, we've had these hats before, we've had these shirts before, we want the yeah. next hats. And to then not come close again, it kind of feels a little bit sad. Yeah. Conversely, although the Jags lost, what a season for them. 
Like, well, that's do you know what? That's the thing, isn't it? Like that loss isn't a negative. The fact that regardless of the Mahomes situation, the fact that they pushed the Chiefs to the last minute, you know, and, and aside from two pretty gut-wrenching errors, and I put less on, I actually put less on the Trevor Lawrence one. You know, when you've got a minute 30 left on the clock, you've got to make plays. Yeah. And you've got to push the ball downfield. And sometimes they get picked off. That happens particularly when you're a young quarterback that's, you know, in your first playoff game for a team that isn't fancy to even be there, you've got to make, you've got to try and make a play. And I kind of don't put a lot of credence on that. I think the Jamal Agnew one was the absolute gut wrencher because on that drive, it really felt like the Jags were destined for a touchdown. It didn't feel like they were going to settle for a field goal. You know, it looked like, Agnew gets the ball, even if he gets taken down there, they're at the what, two and it felt very much like they would find a way to get the ball into the end zone and then for him to kind of cough up that really brutal fumble was gutting but equally, you know, I kind of mentioned him a little bit last week but Agnew put them in great positions like great field positions throughout the game from every single kick or punt return the guy's getting chunk plays of 30, 40, 40 plus yards. So he gave them very good field position, but ultimately, I mean, that those moments were gutting, but I think for the Jags, they can take a heck of a lot of heart, a lot of pride. That season has been phenomenal. And I really, I really liked, you know, I watched some of the highlights and stuff again on Monday morning after having watched it on the weekend. And the one that really stuck with me was that, I don't know if you, you've seen it, but that clip of Trevor Lawrence in the tunnel, you know, greeting every single Jags player and staffer coming through there and saying, you know, we'll be back. We're going to work and we're going to get back here. And I, I really thought that was a real testament to his leadership, how, how well he's come on. And I, you know, every, I believe him, you know, I believe they can get back to the playoffs and that's not ideal for, a Colts fan where we've got to face them in a bit. But ultimately I do, you know, he's, he means what he says and there's no kind of hint of false bravado in that. I, I genuinely think he believes that and that they can get better and better every year. So yeah, well, yeah to them. I think they had a great season. I, th- I think you're right about the, them getting back there. I think the pressure is going to be on, I think Trent Bulky, I think is their GM currently is going to be on the pressure have, on yeah. that, that front office to build an effective team around Trevor Lawrence because without I don't want this to be incredibly disrespectful to the Jags or any of the players who really like played their hearts out down the stretch to get them in this position but if you look at the firepower of the Chiefs the firepower of the Bills the firepower of the Bengals and then what the Jags have it's the equivalent to going to like the Monaco Grand Prix in a go-kart it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really match up there. Yeah. But then just, just doing a doing a quick Google. Patrick Mahomes, twenty-seven. Josh Allen, twenty-six. Joe Burrow, twenty-six. Trevor Lawrence, twenty-three. Mm-hmm. If this is an indication of what we're going to continue to see from these quarterbacks, we're going to have this that foursome in that combination of games. I think for a while, mm-hmm. and that yeah. says. So, it, 
And uh, to me, that doesn't just say what how talented those four are individually. But when you look at yeah. Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, to just name two young, up and coming, like really, really talented yeah. quarterbacks in their own way, it's it's incredible. It's a bad time to be a, a Steelers or a Colts fan when you're trying to discover your new quarterback and make your way back. But, yeah. You know, these such is life. These are the things that happen. Um, NFC. Mm. I think this, this is, this to me, this is one of those really weird championship Sundays that we've got to, where essentially yeah. it, both games are a complete mirror. Because it really is. It's the two best teams in the AFC and the two best teams in the NFC. And whoever wins is going to win. Who's it going to be? I know. And I think, Joe, you know what? The weird thing is, kind of like the Chiefs-Bengals game, it could come down to the health of some of their star players and what that means for one particular team. And I'm talking really here, the 49ers, because... McCaffrey suffered a bit of a calf injury and he kind of sat out practice yesterday. Elijah Mitchell seems to have a lot of niggles just in general and, and seems to have come away with another one, even though he still, you know, managed to carry a whole bunch of times and finish out the game. Um, but so I think, and Debo as well, you know, Debo, Debo's got some sort of kind of lingering ankle injury, it sounds like, but again, played the full game and sounds like he's going to be, you know, fit and raring to go. So I think that's the only thing for me that could swing the balance purely because so much of what Shanahan can conjure up focuses on, you know, mismatches and creating mismatches, particularly in the run game and giving different options and looks to defenses. And if you're kind of a bit hobbled with maybe no Christian McCaffrey or limited Christian McCaffrey, limited Elijah Mitchell, limited Debo Samuel, you know, that really changes what they can do. But ultimately, all that said, you know, as a coach, he just finds ways to get players involved and and still create incredible, incredible offensive play and, and mismatches just all over the place. So I think that's the one thing for me. And it's really odd because... I don't know. I kind of feel like I have to plump for the 49ers in this game purely because they were my early slash preseason pick, albeit with Trey Lance being the the fulcrum of the MVP um, award. But I don't know. You know, the, the Eagles-Giants game at the weekend was so one-sided. You know, and I, I think I mentioned it last week. The Giants want, would have wanted to play the Eagles a week earlier when you didn't have a, a fully healthy Jalen Hurts absolutely running roughshod all over your team. Um, and that's exactly what happened. But I, I think the thing for me is just when I watch that game back again, just how stifling that defense is, you know, and, and I know Rob said, oh, you can, yeah, Rob mentioned it last week, you know, you think you can throw on them. And I'm, when I watched that game last week, I was like, where can you throw on them? How do you think you can throw on them? They've mm -hmm. got James Bradbury and um, James Bradbury and um, Big Play Slay. Yep. Like, how are you throwing the ball? You know, those two guys are absolutely ball hawking, shut down players. 
And then added to that, you've got a D line that just, I don't know, between them, between what, four of them, they're just on multiple sacks. They can get through any line. They can get to any quarterback. And I think that was the thing, really, that they stifled that Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, you know, big play running game. And they just shut Daniel Jones down completely, kept him in the pocket, made him make throws when he could get the ball away. And Saquon, they just kind of limited his ability to be Saquon Barkley. So, you know, I think that's the that's the big thing for me is that they were so utterly dominant over the Giants that, again, you come in with such confidence. You know, I don't think that team is short on confidence anyway with the types of players that they have, you know. Hurts, AJ Brown, the 50 odd running backs that will absolutely bulldoze whoever is in front of them. You know, they just feel like they ooze confidence and ego. And certainly rolling over a, a divisional rival in the Giants is, you know, it's not going to diminish that. On the other side, you know, the, the Niners Cowboys was a really close affair. And not, a, you know, it wasn't a big splash, exciting, crazy game in, in a lot of ways. It was just two very, very good defences battling it out, limiting the opponent's offensive weaponry. And ultimately, one team has to win and one team has to lose. And, you know, I know that the Cowboys seem to have fired half their coaching staff. I didn't really think that was necessary. I think they ran what you could say is the best team in the league for the last, uh, what, eight, ten weeks. Yeah. Really close. Like, I don't think everybody has to lose their jobs because, like, well, I think you said it last week. You know, if your only benchmark for success is winning the Super Bowl, then 31 teams go away every year having had a terrible year. But yeah, I, th like, I think that's true. But I think when we talk about that with the Cowboys, the one thing we have, we always have to say is while yeah. you cannot measure your success by winning a, a Super Bowl or not, Jerry also, will. Jerry Jones. Yeah. Um, I thought the interesting thing with the Cowboys and the 49ers game from last week was how you could see how it affected um, Brock Purdy. Like the Cowboys in that game felt like the first team to really get to him, to really rattle that kind of confident that unshakable confidence that he had like he always seemed quite calm in the pocket he was always quite reassured in what he did and the cowboys broke that up and once they broke that up that's where i think a bit of the problem came from and obviously the issue for the 49ers is going to be okay well all that's done is that's now shone a light for the eagles as to what they need to do to break up the rhythm of the 49ers and that eagles defense like this season is incredible like oh unstoppable yeah the like was it f i think we talked about this before four players with 10 mm -hmm. plus sacks that is unheard of that is incredible and it's ridiculous it's and again you can see like we talked about with the bengals and honestly i think like we can talk about with niners and with the chiefs when confidence is high you can see how that bleeds into every aspect of the game and you can see how the Eagles defense success bleeds into Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, the, the running back collection that they've got, because as, as it always seems to be with the Eagles in the playoffs, it's never just one. There's always several of them. And 
you know, they hit a bit of a rough patch with Jalen Hurts getting injured. Gardner Minshew, unfortunately, isn't Jalen Hurts and can't do the things Jalen Hurts can do. Yeah. And you you kind of got to look and think, okay, we need to, the Eagles last week needed to get the confidence back, needed to, you know, need to get the rhythm. And they did. And like, you're quite right in exactly how they did it. They took the greatest strengths of that Giants team away from them. And once you took that away from them, you, you haven't got anything else. The Niners have felt like, I I hate to be really theatrical with this. The Niners have felt like a team of destiny for a while now. They, I, I think your, your statement on them, like the best team in the NFL down the stretch, absolutely correct. And it's there was multiple people have been talking about this obviously this week the performance you are getting out of Brock Purdy in eight games dwarfs some rookie not even rookie some like inexperienced quarterbacks and I don't want to do this I, I have a sandwich bet based on this man but compare Brock Purdy's eight games with Zach Wilson's two years which one of those do you think is the first round highly drafted quarterback spoilers it ain't Zach Wilson um so there is a part of me that's looking at it thinking I I want to I want to see where this ends and I kind of like I don't want it to end yet But at the same time, just the Eagles going back to the Super Bowl just feels like a nice thing to happen. And maybe if only because I just look at the Eagles going to the Super Bowl and just think like Doug Pedersen and St. Nick calling for the Philly special on fourth down when they needed a touchdown. And just those kind of memories are just nice. Um, Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just a bit of a I like the narrative more than anything. You like the nostalgia, don't you? Yeah. Narrative. Um yeah, I mean, I like all of that. I mean, I totally agree with you. I think the only thing for me and the only thing that I I thought of coming out of the weekend is the 49ers faced one of the best defences around. You know, regardless of what you think of the Cowboys, the players that they have, you know, Lawrence, uh, Parsons, Diggs in the back end, you know, all of the players that they have are really, really top level and they get so much pressure and they're so swarming and the cowboy and the cowboys put everything at Brock Purdy and the 49ers still came out with the win and i think the difference with the eagles is they had an easy time of it you know they had an easy time against the giants the defense couldn't get anywhere near anybody and i think it's going to be a really different kettle of fish when they come to town this weekend and they've got, you know, Fred Warner and Hufanga and everybody else on that 49ers defense that is going to absolutely bring everything to to get at those those creative players, particularly, you know, Miles Sanders, the giant killer, Boston Scott, and Hurts himself. You know, they're going to be after him and and they've had a I mean, I hate to say it, Glenn, if you're listening, but the Giants didn't put up much of a fight. And that's good on the one hand, if you're an Eagles fan, because you think, great, we've got a nice confidence-boosting win. We've rolled over a divisional rival. Happy days. But equally, they've not had that level of competition. You know, they've not had 
a 49ers defense or a Cowboys defense to face and struggle through. And, you know, I'm not, I'm certainly not saying anything against Hurts because he's had a phenomenal season and really turned around what I thought of him. But, you know, some games this year, they have struggled. You know, he's not rolled every team over and, and good defenses are going to make him think twice. They're going to, I think the thing with, with Hertz is if you can stymie the run game and you can stick him in the pocket and keep him there, it's a different ball game. Anything's possible because I, I mean, I think he's had a phenomenal season. He's not the best passer in the league. You know, the, the threat that he possesses is the multifaceted talents that he has is the ability to scramble, to run, to make plays on the go and throw the ball. Don't get me wrong. But if you can take away one of those kind of key attributes and just force him to be a pocket passer, it it brings you much more into focus as, as a team that could stop him. And I think that's kind of what the 49ers have got to focus on is, is removing that run element that they have thrived on so well and just force him to stay in the pocket. But that in itself is, is a real difficult task. So best of luck to the 49ers. That's it. You can you can see routes to victory for every team. You can see pitfalls that they're all going to fall into. Like you you don't have scrubs in the playoffs. Like you you can't get to the playoffs without being a win like a winning team. Not necessarily winning record, but you win enough to get to it. You don't get scrubs in the championship games. You don't luck your way into these kinds of things and. I, I feel relatively confident in saying whoever wins out of these games, they're the better team is going to win. Like I'm not going to be upset with a Super Bowl combination of any of these four teams from like the either two from either side, whichever one we get. I really feel like we're going to get two really good championship games and then the potential for one of the best Super Bowls that we've seen, like especially one of the best ones we've had the fortune of being able to sit and watch together. Um, okay, should we do right? Let's do let's do pick. Who have you got for the AFC Championship? Do you know what? I, I can't even remember what I chose. I went so back and forth on this because I really couldn't couldn't decide. And I think some of it is going to come down to health and how players make it through this week. Um, but all that said. I did make a selection and I did go for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, the team. Um, I have also gone for the Cincinnati Bengals for the AFC championship game. There was just the concerns around Mahomes, but just also what watching them just, just run rough shot was, was just, I think too much to ignore. And um, do you know what locked in against the Bills and the Chiefs have got these little question marks hanging over them. Equally, do you know what? It was so close because I think, I mean, that sort of storyline makes an America's game, doesn't it? Yeah. Quarterback injured, first game of the playoffs, hobbles about and then leads his team to victory and marches them to a Super Bowl trophy. You know, that's got a a Mark Wahlberg voiceover all over it. But um I think it'd probably be Paul Rudd again if it's the Chiefs. Oh yeah, big, Paul Rudd. I, mean, I, I like yeah. this one. He yeah. was good. Um 
plenty of them together. But yeah, I, I like that. I, 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 it, it's got that sort of moment that feels like it could, but I mean, the, I don't know though. Do you know, like lots have been talked up about the Bengals, the Bengals having beaten the Chiefs three times in a row and yeah. this, that and the other. And I don't know. I, I mean, it's difficult to argue with because they feel like the more form team coming into this game, but equally it's those sort of talks that, are often a commentator's curse and then yeah. it comes round to bite somebody, doesn't it? So I see you talk, yeah. you're talking about like the America, what you can imagine is the America's game moment for the chiefs. I was sort of sat here thinking I can imagine the America's game moment in this going to be Joe Burrow right at the very beginning, just talking about the loss to the Rams last season and just saying some form of, yep, getting back there, not losing next time. Just you just feel like man. He's just manifesting that thing of I am not going to allow this to happen. It is not happening to me again. I am Joe Burrow, and I win things. Um, all right, yeah. NFC, who are you going for? See, for me, this one's a little more clear cut, and I say it's a little more clear cut. I'm picking a team because I'm sticking with the team, not necessarily because I think they are guaranteed to win. But I am going to keep my foot in with the San Francisco 49ers. Ooh. Um, yeah, I we disagree on this one because I have decided that I, I have hitched my uh, my fandom for the NFC Championship game to yeah. uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, but, again, but again, like whoever, whoever yeah. wins, we win just feel I was like gonna that's say, it and ultimately i don't really think you and i disagree because i i think it could easily go the eagles way they look pretty unstoppable at the minute but i I, I will i will be completely confident in the winner of both of these games when there's one second left to go and even then given how some games have gone this season i still don't think that'd be a hundred percent confidence because who knows what's about to happen yeah it's anybody's game. That is, it's going to be a, it's going to be a great time. And the thing is, it's one of those that I don't begrudge any of those teams. You know, I don't no. harbor any a win against any of those teams. I think all four of those teams have been the best teams in the league throughout this year. Have given us the most excitement and entertainment mm. and storylines. You know, they've had their fair share between all of them. Um, so I can't begrudge any of those four teams progressing. And I don't begrudge any of those four teams winning the Super Bowl. You know, I think they would all be worthy winners and any of those teams progressing makes for a heck of a Super Bowl anyway. So, so I'm all in on, on whatever happens this weekend. Yeah. I, it's going to be a good weekend. It's going to be a good Sunday, no matter what. And, Listeners, I'm sure you'll be aware of the fact that we have done a very, very good uh, job of hedging all of our bets here so that this time next week, when we come around to talk about it, we can quite proudly say all of us were right. But before we wrap up, we need to come back to if you can be right about something. So, James Aldrin, at the start of this podcast, I gave you six quarterbacks. Tell me the odd one out. Do you want the list again? I don't think I need the list again. And the only reason is because I'm not going to get this right. But my only thought is because the problem is, is you're really good at this stuff, right? Because you love the olden days. 
you were probably there for Tom Brady's birth. You were there for Bart Starr's birth. I can't remember any of it. So <laughs> the one that I'm picking, I, I'm not thinking I'm right, but the one that I'm picking is Tom Brady. And the only reason I'm saying that is, is he the only one that's won multiple? That's my pitch. So yes. And it is a guess. Drafted in the sixth round with the 33rd pick in the draft, Tom Brady is number four in the top five quarterbacks that we're talking about here. The odd man out, James Aldrin, would you believe, is Joe Theismann. Okay. Fourth with the 21st pick. Uh, in order, it's Bart Starr, but then Bart Starr had a slight advantage. He was uh, the seventh pick in the 17th round of the draft. Yeah, in, yep. in the days when they just went for weeks. And yep. To um, was... Then you've got Roger Starback, who was the third pick in the 10th round. Brad Johnson, interestingly enough, third, the third pick in the ninth round. Then it was Tom Brady, and then it was Mark Rippon with the eighth pick of the sixth round. Um, I think I think you had a good argument there, though. I think I think you had some. You looked at that problem logically. You applied. Yeah, some I was fan thinking odd one it. out. Yeah, I was thinking odd one out for some other random reason outside of just where they were drafted. So that's why I I kind of plumped for him. But I think I think right. you, you was I at least right, or was I wrong? No. Did any of the others win more than one? Oh yes, uh, Starback one, Starback one two, Star one two. Okay, good. So I was just my logic was at a bobbins. I, I yeah. do think you you also did a fairly good job of playing the question master because it would be yeah. a very me thing to do to give you Tom Brady and have him be the odd one out. Oh, Rob's done that before. I mean, yeah. that feels a hundred percent like something we would do as a collective. So yeah. <laughs> Rob, Rob does Rob does good questions, and Rob will be back to give good questions this time next week when we review the previous week. We might not look forth to the Super Bowl, but with Frank Reich being announced as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers for the coming season, we'll probably dive in a little bit into coaching decisions that have been made, firings that have been made since, maybe some yeah. more hirings. We've had some interesting ones. Hackett's been hired, which is almost inexplicable after this year. Almost. Yeah, been a few, yeah. yeah. So, yeah we'll, we'll get Rob's input. That'll be good. Yeah. And I uh, cannot wait for all of the column inches and airtime that's going to be given to the Nathaniel Hackett at the New York Jets. When do they announce they've signed Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Look forward to that. Um, there's lots. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to wrap up just because I know that you won't remember what the, the email address is, but I'm going to say if anybody wants to get in touch, they can contact us at clubdubpodcast at mail.com. You can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at clubdubpodcast, and you can find us on YouTube. So follow us there. And then obviously wherever you get your podcasts, but you already know that because you're listening to us right now. So yes. Enjoy. Thanks very much for that. You are correct. I would not have been able to remember what our email address is. <laughs> I, um, we, the only reason I say that is because at the start of the podcast, you said the usual email address. <laughs> One of those great moments. It's like of when you start, meet somebody yeah. in this, it's like when you meet somebody in the street and you vaguely recognize their face and you go, Hey buddy. Hey, there you are. It's you. 
It's um, this guy. But uh, to to borrow a phrase from Rob, I believe this was gold standard, top quality podcasting, Aldrin. Let's get back together yeah. next week and do it all again. Look forward to it. One step closer to the Super Bowl. Cannot wait. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Remember to subscribe and be cool. Tell your friends. They 